Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I'd say if you ask the average American, the average Tennessean, or the, even the average Knoxvillian, if they felt persecuted, most would probably say no, contextually speaking. However, I pulled up to the pump the other day and pumped 80 bucks worth of gasoline in my truck and didn't even fill it up. Felt like persecution to me in, in the moment. Or if your third grader comes home asking his mom and dad, what gender am I? Uh, you'd probably feel some sense of, of, of cultural perse- persecution. Or if it work, you can't have a Christmas party anymore. It's a holiday party. And we can't refer to it as a Christmas party. Those are small, subliminal, under-the-current kinds of ways of persecution, but they're happening. And they're getting bolder and more emboldened as, as we go along, as time goes. So how do we deal with this cultural persecution? Paul writes to Timothy and, and tells him that. If you'll turn to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look today at verses 10 through 17 together and come back and glean some nuggets from this text today. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 to 17 says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All evildoers and impostors will go, go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned, and have become convinced of, because you know those from, from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here we are. How do we deal with cultural persecution? First of all, we've got to come to grips with the fact that cultural persecution is a certainty. It's a certainty. Look at verse 12, what he says there again. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If this verse is true, and it is, and you're not experiencing persecution, that's a good reason to ask yourself, am I seeking to live a godly life? Because this verse promises, if I'm seeking to live a godly life, I'm going to experience persecution. But if I'm not experiencing persecution, the question, first, first question has to come is, am I seeking a godly life? The enemy is constantly at work in our culture. He's at work in academia, and it used to be just higher academia, but it's not higher academia anymore. It's in the high schools, middle schools, elementary schools. He's at work through the mainstream media, I'm convinced. He's at work through the entertainment industry. He certainly worked through the political machine that's in place. And he does that to keep believers, I'm convinced, satisfied still 
and silent. If he can do that, he's got us exactly where he wants us, satisfied, still, and silent. However, when you and I can begin to put feet to our faith and give voice to our convictions, we're definitely going to experience some persecution. It's going to come, expect it. In fact, persecution is a pretty faithful measuring stick that you're doing something right. If you're experiencing persecution, you're seeking to live a godly life. You're making an impact somewhere, and the enemy's coming after you for it. If you're experiencing persecution, you, you're, you're headed in, in, in a good direction, at least, I think. So, I, if we give our lives a witness, give our lives a voice, give, give our lives where our, our, our story's being told and, and our lives are being seen and heard, uh, the enemy's going to come after us. So, the wiser decision for parents, not only these parents who stood before us last Sunday, but parents in general, all of us, the wiser decision for parents, instead of trying to make life easier for your kids, is to prepare them for the persecution that's definitely going to come their way. Rather than make life easier for your kids, and, and, and all of us want to do that. We want, we want a better life for our kids than we had. But we will better serve them instead of making life easier for them to prepare them for the hardship that's going to come their way. If they're going to stand for Christ and live for him in this world, they're going to experience some hard places. We'd do better and be, and be wiser to prepare them for it. That's what rescue looks like to our kids. Rescue, uh, cultural persecution is a certainty. Secondly, cultural persecution is a product of deception. It's a product of deception. Look at verse 13. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evildoers and imposters go, go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Our culture and its elite can't be honest and truthful with, with us because if they did, they would have to admit to you and I that they're selfish, they're broken, and they're incapable of redeeming themselves. They don't want to admit that. It's hard for any of us to admit, but that's true. Have you noticed even recently how uh, radical, how crazy our culture has become at the leak of Roe v. Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, we got Supreme Court justices with death threats having to go back and forth to work with armed guards with them. Uh, it, it's our, our, the culture of persecution is getting crazier and crazier and getting more and more severe the, the, the larger and bigger the stakes. And that's, that's going to be the case. Uh, well, I, I've been praying for this day to come. And I hope we as a nation have the backbone to stand up for these justices and say, enough. 60 million is enough. There's enough babies that have to die. Enough. In fact, it's, it's projected by the year 2023, 50 years after Roe v. Wade, that we would have murdered and massacred 70 million babies. What, what an answering day this is going to have to be one day. Anyway, uh, that, that, this whole concept of our, of our standing and, and being, being a product of deception is, is certainly real in our culture. Uh, in fact, uh, you may have heard this already, California, many, many uh, states are having, having trigger legislation that goes in place should this be overturned. In California, the state legislature is putting before uh, their governing bodies there for post-birth abortions. Now let that sink in for a second. Post-birth abortion, that's what they're calling it. 
how depraved we are and have become as a culture to, to, to let that even enter our vocabulary. Uh, this may sound simplistic, but sin is sinful. It's always been sinful. It's always going to be sinful because it's sin. That may sound simplistic, and, and it is to, to an extent, but there's no escaping the truth of, the, of, of, of that truth. There's no escaping that truth in the heart of, of hearts for each of us. Uh, we know that to be true whether we believe and trust in Jesus or not. But our culture can't let anyone know that they know that because it'll tear down the walls between right and wrong. It'll tear down the walls between good and evil. It'll tear down the walls so that they can stop masking the fact that they are selfish, broken, and incapable of redeeming themselves. However, there is rescue. Listen to Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Grace and peace to you from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father. He is our rescue. When we are deceived and our deception is rampant in our culture, he is our rescue. Well, not only this cult of persecution is a certainty, not only is it a product of deception, thirdly, Cultural persecution is dealt with through the scriptures. It's dealt with through the scriptures. Look at 14 and 15 with me together again. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Continue in what you've learned, he says here. You want to know why the scripture has become so offensive? It's become offensive because no one wants to be told they're wrong. I don't. Do you? None of us want to be told our wrong, that we're wrong. Yet the scripture is, is full of that kind of absolute truth. Uh, if, we, if we know what, what we have become convinced of, uh, what we've learned, uh, it's, it's that these four uh, sets of parents, what, what they agreed to last Sunday, it is from infancy, he says here, Raising children from infancy up in the nurture and admonition instruction of the Lord. When that's done, he says here that that, that, is, that is our how we deal with cultural persecution is knowing what we believe, knowing what we have been, have been convinced of, and, and continuing in what we have learned. Uh, if we start from infancy, that's the principle that goes. Because the younger they learn, and that's why kids down in Wee Point this morning, kids down in Kids Point this morning hearing about Jesus, because the younger they learn, the deeper the root system goes. The deeper the root system goes, the stronger the tree is when the storms blow against it. And the storms are going to blow against it, even at a younger and younger and younger age. So the stronger they are, the more they know, uh, the stronger they are, and the stronger they are, the better they'll stand. Uh, and, and also, the, the sooner they'll see their need for a relationship with Christ, the greater exposure they have to his word at an early age. They'll, they'll see for themselves and be, and be able to test this earlier on that the Lord's way is the best way for me to live a life that's fruitful and live a life that matters. And that starts here, not here. And so the sooner we, we, we sow that in to kids and grandkids, the better, better and more equipped they are to be able to deal with the persecution that's coming, coming their way. Uh, what this text says is sure to come. So then, if that's true, and it is, rescue comes at the hand of God by way of the Word of God. And that is his method. It's always been his method from the get-go. That seeing the hand of God meshed with the word of God speaks power and truth to our life. Can the hand of God show up apart from the word of God? Yes, it can, but it will never, it will never be contrary to the scripture. 
And, and, and that is so because we of our inability to connect the dots, not his. He is always connecting the dots between what he says and what he does and what he has spoken in his word. So when God shows up in your life to deliver you from persecution in whatever way, in a supernatural way, something that you have not seen perhaps spouted in Scripture, it's always referenced in Scripture whether we've seen it and are aware of it or not because he's always true to his word. So the hand of God and the word of God always go work together, and that's how rescue comes. Persecution is a certainty, it's a product of deception, it's dealt with through the scripture, but finally, cultural persecution will always question the authority of God's word. It'll always question the authority of God's word. Look at verse 16 again with me. He says, All scripture is, I love this phrase, God breathed, and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed. To acknowledge the, uh, the, the authority of Scripture is to acknowledge the, the, the authority and the presence of absolute truth. Now, if there is absolute truth, then my truth is no longer the truth. The truth is the truth, whether my truth aligns with it or not. If, that's, if there is truth bigger than mine, then there also is a plan and a purpose bigger than mine. And if that's true, then I have to come to grips with the fact that I'm no longer enough. If that's true, and these things are true, and this book is, is, is from cover to cover, absolute truth, I've got to come to grips with the fact that I'm no longer enough, and my truth is not enough anymore. If that's true, I need to know him. I need to know him to know his truth. Do you know him personally? Have you had a personal relationship with Jesus? Have you ever prayed to receive him into your heart, invited him into your life, given your life, your future, your eternity over to him? If not, please don't leave today without him. If you do know him, though, it should change your perspective because I know the truth. I'm, I'm living and walking in truth. It is in me. It's in front of me, and it is also in me, and hopefully it's around me this morning in this place. Do you know him? Uh, it's our, our ability to navigate the persecution that's, that's going to come that, that we're sure to face in this culture depends on what he says there in verse 17, that we are thoroughly equipped. Meaning, we know what this book says, we know where to find it, we lean on it, we go to it regularly because the enemy is, is coming after us with persecution. And as such, we deal with persecution the same way Jesus did in, in the desert. Satan tempted him three times, and all three times he said, it is written. He didn't combat the enemy with his own knowledge and his own godness. He combated the enemy with the truth of God's word, with the scripture. That's how you and I win those battles of persecution with the enemy. It's coming back at him with the scripture. We've got to know what it says, though, to be able to, to do that effectively. And so if you're seeing it coming, you're preparing for it. You're speaking and living and walking and acting in such a way that draws people to the Jesus in you. Why? Because I know what his word says. and I know how to win those battles that the enemy wants to persecute me with on a regular basis. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to, 5 to 11. says this, In your relationships to one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself, watch this, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, 
and being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every, in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what's to come. That's what rescue looks like. Now, regardless of the amount of persecution or, or type of persecution you're under, rescue is there. Look at 10 and 11 with me again. He says, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I have endured, watch this, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. All of them. Every one of them, he says. So regardless of what type or style or, or means or manner of persecution you're experiencing, God is good for the rescue. Question as we wrap up, and that's this. Am I allowing cultural persecution to keep me satisfied, still, and silent? Am I allowing cultural persecution to keep me satisfied, still, and silent? How do I know that? I know that by the choices that I'm making. I know that by how I'm responding to it. I know that by being able to nail down on a regular basis. Am I taking the path of least resistance? Or do I know enough and am I strong enough to stand? If I know enough and I'm strong enough, I will stand. If I don't, I'm probably going to take the path of least resistance and stay satisfied, still, and silent. Here's what I want you to leave with, though, is God can and will rescue you from the bondage of it. He will, he will come and rescue you from the bondage of persecution. Now, rescue from persecution happening to you? No. He said himself, and John, in this world, you will have trouble. That's what the scripture said. Jesus himself said. So persecution is, is, is a byproduct of living in a broken world. You and I are broken people in a broken place. And the byproduct of that is persecution is going to come. Yet, we don't have to walk in the bondage of it. He would deliver us, his word says, from the bondage of it. How? Well, by making a choice to live and walk out a balanced life that looks like this per perfect balance that Jesus did in John 1 of grace and truth. Understanding and knowing the truth, walking in it, and applying grace after grace upon grace upon grace to those who struggle. And, and those who struggle are you and me. And he's poured grace into our lives because of our own struggle with persecution. We need to be faithful to do that in the lives of others that are struggling with persecution as well. And I'm going to tell you, it's not if, it's you know somebody who's struggling if it's not yourself. You know somebody who's experiencing persecution. This morning, in fact, in all likelihood, you know several somebodies that are experiencing persecution, mild or major. How do I speak truth to that? How do I apply grace to that? How do I show them the love of Christ in such a way that they understand there's rescue. There's rescue. I don't have to stay here in the bondage of it. There's rescue from this. How do I walk toward that rescue? If you know him, you know how. If you don't, please come to know him today. Let's pray. Father, um, would we love you with a more deliberate love that seeks not only to walk with you through a hard place and, and to see your hand and your way, 
but make even wiser decisions to stop avoiding those ways of hard places. Knowing they refine our faith, they bring us into a deeper walk with you, they give us a clear picture of what redemption and rescue are all about. We can't learn that in the easy spots because we're focused on the easy spot. In the hard spot, we're forced to focus on you. That's why those are more valuable lessons learned in hard places. And you teach us those things to teach others those things. We don't walk to a hard place to benefit for it from, from it ourselves. We walk in a hard place to see a, a clear glimpse of you and walk through that same hard place to help somebody else who's going to be there as well, maybe even today. So whatever, we've come into the, whatever persecution we've walked into this room with today, I pray that you give us the heart and the desire to know what we know, what we know. And understand that your, your word is, is the way to push back against the enemy as he tries to bring persecution our way, as he tries to help us to see that, or ask the, the question, where's your God? What happened? Where's he at? Are you having such a hard time at a hard place? Help us to see, Father, that we push back against him with scripture, that it is indeed our solution. It is indeed you use it for our rescue. So as we love with a more deliberate love, pressing into the lives and, and hearts and, and situations and circumstances of people around us that are in hard places, give us truth to speak, but grace to be poured out on it as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.